Hello, and welcome to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. I'm Jim Paolino, founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to leaders in the mortgage and real estate industries. Our goal is to talk about current events, interesting things from their end of the industry, and anything else that we feel is fascinating. Welcome to Triple L. On today's podcast, we have a very special guest, my friend, Costa Ligris. Uh, Costa is the co-founder of Stavi, a technology company in the real estate industry, um, former founder of Ligris Law Firm, um, and an entrepreneur in residence at MIT. Uh, so Costa, thanks for coming today. You know, we have probably quite a bit to unpack with all of that. So we'd love to just kind of hear about how you got started in the industry. Um, you know, you mentioned when we were chatting before that you're a reformed attorney, um, you know, turned technologist. So we'd love to kind of hear about that. Yeah, no, Jim, thanks for having me. Excited to be here today. Um, yeah, I'm a former scientist, actually. A lot of people don't know that, but uh, mm-hmm. I studied uh, science and uh, I was a physiology and chemistry major in, in school. And I, I ended up in, uh, in law school thinking I was going to end up in biotech and pharma and IP work. Uh, but of course, um, like every other little kid growing up, we always, I always joke around, you either want to be in title and settlement or be a jet, you know, uh, yeah. a fighter jet pilot. Um, and so I ended up in title and settlement. I practiced mm-hmm. real estate law for almost 20 years. And uh, as you mentioned, built out Ligerson mm-hmm. Associates in Boston and then ACES title in New England, New York and Florida mm-hmm. and on the Eastern Seaboard. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what got you in there in the first place? Was it just kind of a, a stumbling across or like, oh, if I do one closing, I can pay the rent. <laughs> then what if I do two? What if I do three? <laughs> yeah, if I do three closings, I can pay both rents. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, two months of rent. Um, yeah, so uh, it was actually interesting. I I was subletting space in a building with a bunch of other lawyers, and they did. Mm-hmm. Everyone did a little bit of everything, and mm-hmm. I was the new kid who had just passed the bar and was excited to really try to mm-hmm. tackle it all and uh, get exposure. And so I went around, and they would hand me the stuff that they didn't want to do. And just generally speaking, nobody really wanted to negotiate residential purchase and sale agreements and do purchase mm-hmm. and uh, and sale transactional work. And um, a bunch of them would refer me stuff that they didn't want to do. And I started doing um, a fair amount of real estate and saw the opportunity to scale and use a very systemic and programmatic way of processing files. It's my science side of my brain sort of thinking, how do we scale and make this, uh, uh, you know, scalable operation? And that sort of was the genesis of, uh, of my practice. Mm-hmm. And then what, what kept you around? From beyond that, from you know, actually going from those three a month to yeah, the rent you know, to thirty to three hundred and whatever it may be. I had to pay the rent, so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no. So what kept me around? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I I resonated with real estate. I, I love real estate. I continue mm-hmm. to you know invest in real estate and like to you know pretend to fix my places up and and be active in the real estate space. Mm-hmm. But, what really was interesting was it gave me an opportunity to sharpen sort of my skills in terms of negotiating contracts and representing clients, but in, in, an, in an area that was not, that tended not to be super adversarial, right? And most, most of the times, especially when you're operating in residential real estate, which I did a lot of, and in the tail end of my career, I started doing a lot larger stake residential mm-hmm. commercial transactions. Um, things do change a little bit, but generally speaking, the person wants to buy a, a property and the person wants to sell, the goal is the same. And so it's this alignment towards, you know, protecting your client's interests, creating a, a smooth transaction. Uh, and I enjoyed that. And frankly, one of the things I really loved about the operation was looking at how we could implement procedures and protocols and technology mm-hmm. to scale, uh, to train people 
um, that were coming from other spaces in the law or were interested in, in mm -hmm. coming into the business. And I've always loved watching that organic in the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, you know, it was really, I loved building the business and mm -hmm. it's exciting because I get to do it now again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that actually gets to what you're doing now with, with Stavi and switching off from the service end of the business to technology. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, I set you up for that. See, that transition I know. was almost... You're, uh, you're, you run your own podcast. You know what you're doing here. <laughs> Makes my job easy. I'm a one-person show here. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I, I started getting to the point after I had acquired some title companies down in Southern Florida and mm -hmm. uh, consolidated operations and done some M&A work for the company. I was really sort of looking at what was next for the organization, but really sort of deep down, I think it was resonating uh and uh it was really a concept of what, sort of what was next for me in terms of challenges mm -hmm. i i ended up back in school uh i went to business school and through that journey and experience got to expose myself to an amazing innovation ecosystem in kendall square mm -hmm. and that's where the concept of really i had i I've, i had been struggling for a couple of years in terms of what the future of the industry was going to look like mm -hmm. uh, we all know that um it's interesting, you know, I was on a podcast last month and the concept of like, you know, are things moving fast or faster? And I think it, it, it's a it's a good um, it's a good barometer. I think our industry is moving faster, but it's not it's still not moving fast. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. and we, you and I have talked offline about some of the things that could be moving fast. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I knew that we were moving into a space of transformation and innovation. And so uh, it was an exciting opportunity to take you know, my experience, 20 years of understanding uh, tech, uh, you know, uh, mortgage and settlement and title and, you know, that customer experience and translating it to a digital experience. And so, you know, mm -hmm. here we are now, fast forward um, it's from the genesis of Stavi, really looking at how we can bring transformation to space. And obviously, you know, Ron mm -hmm. is becoming a, a household name in the, in the real estate and mortgage space. And you know, e-signatures are widely adopted in, in consumer transactions. And so it's an interesting time to be innovating in the space and uh, and watching the industry start to move. I think I actually, I'm pretty sure I got the stat from our last conversation that even with the adoption of Ron and Rin and all these things you're, you're hearing about now, e-closings, I think are 4% of all closings, something like that right now. Yeah, so I think the last data point that I can confidently say, I think is October of last year, full digital, including eNote, like all the way, yeah. was less than 1%, mm -hmm. um, right? So, you know, I think that the incremental uh, progress here is probably hybrid, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, watching uh, the movement into the hybrid space where a good, a good portion of the package can be signed digitally. But of course, the challenge and adoption there is making sure that the investors and all of the shareholders mm -hmm. along the life cycle of a loan uh, mm -hmm. accept digital uh, accept digital signatures and sort of that's and that's the big cog in the wheel now is sort of understanding that paradigm because mm -hmm. hybrid can mean a lot of different things. It's actually kind mm -hmm. of funny, like we always talk about how many acronyms there are in this business, right? But yeah. hybrid can mean digital for everything, including Ron and then a paper note, uh, or mm -hmm. it can mean the inverse of that, which is uh, you know digital note but the state doesn't allow Ron yet. And so we're doing mm -hmm. wet signatures on, uh, on, on notarization documents. And when you have conversations with lenders and they want to get started in some way, shape or form, is it kind of like a, a shiny new toy type idea of like, oh, we think this would be great for marketing or are they very slow to start or anywhere in between? Like how, how are lenders you're working with getting started in that space? Yeah, it's, you know, we, we sort of see it all and it depends on 
It depends on the lender. It depends on the mm-hmm. size of the organization. Are they purely a mortgage lender? Are they a bank that also is is uh, is involved in other banking operations, different credit lines and facilities? Uh, but what is what is definitely clear is that that everyone understands the value of moving digital and what the consumer wants, and especially tomorrow's consumer, what they expect. Uh, I think what's really interesting is, and I talked to the team about this, and I actually posted this today because I was, I was I saw something online, and it's, you can't really sell products. You have to sell solutions to problems. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the opportunities, you know, we're really, and this is not a talking point, but we tell our customers, you know, we don't sell products. And that's why, you know, we don't have like mm-hmm. off the shelf pricing for some of the stuff that we do. But we look at how do we provide a solution to solve some of the pain points and problems that, that, the, that the organizations have. And so mm-hmm. if the pain point is around, you know, the process that currently exists for home equity lines and how do we streamline that and make it better mm-hmm. and safer for the customer and for our employees because we do them in the branches, then great. You know, we have some of those opportunities. And then in other opportunities, it's really around we need to be able to streamline the communication between us and the title and settlement vendor to be able to provide them with the Mm -hmm. the digitally signed documents and set them up for remote notarization. And so the conversations are all over the place. I think uh, what COVID has done is it's a double-edged sword. It's never Mm -hmm. made us, everything that we're building and everything that we've built has never been more relevant. Mm -hmm. The problem is depending on the size of the organization, it's the concept around implementation. Like what does this take to, do our mm-hmm. vendor vetting process? How do we train our people? How do we change procedures and policies? And what does that look like, both from an implementation mm-hmm. perspective, but also scale and support? And mm-hmm. I think that lenders are struggling with historically low interest rates, another round of PPP loans, their own stress testing, modifications. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to like, unpack here. And or, uh, their own stress in general of just being so busy for the last 10 months. Yeah, team is working from home, like there's a lot, right? And so mm-hmm. I think coming out of this, as we start to emerge from this pandemic, I, I like the term I've heard on the news, endemic. Once we mm-hmm. come out of this uh, pandemic and move into an endemic, um, what does that look like? Because it's pretty clear that the world can't go backwards. Like it's, mm-hmm. there is a lot of convenience associated uh, around being able to empower consumers to do this digitally. Do you think there are is going to be a step backwards at that point or uh, a desire for that, even something from people having to come into an office all the time or yeah. what ways is that going to affect the industry where people just try to go right back to maybe business as normal? So I think, um, you know, the world is a complicated place and uh, even the United States of America are united in many ways, but ununited in many others and mm-hmm. so much fragmentation in the space and the way that things are done in New England and the attorney states versus yep. you know, other states. I mean, you look, California doesn't have a run law, right? And that's where Silicon Valley is like, geez, like, you know, it's awfully surprising. And so the mm-hmm. question really becomes, what is it going to look like coming out of this? I mean, my prediction is that in the states that don't have permanent run, Mm-hmm. Uh, we will continue to see uh, some adoption in hybrid, but people will go back to some sense of you know the standard operating procedure because mm-hmm. we we're humans, right? And so we have short-term yeah. memory with certain things. Um, but I think that lender, the cat's out of the bag. Lenders, the secondary market, the regulators. I, I think everyone can look at this and say technology can empower not only a better transaction, mm-hmm. more transparent transaction 
but it creates a very programmatic log of events. How did things happen? It's easier to, um, mm -hmm. to see who touched what, when, where. And so I think the, the, the progress will continue to evolve and will move mm -hmm. into that direction. Um, but the, an, an endemic will slow down innovation mm -hmm. in the markets that don't have you know, permanent yeah. legislation in place. Uh, what is interesting is watching a national scale like the Secure Notarization Act and how, how can national legislation impact uh, the timing of this. And I think mm -hmm. that that is critical. Mm. And we'll see if it ever gets to a point where there's something like that across the board or not. I mean, it would be, be interesting to see. Do you feel like lenders in general are nervous when you kind of bring them things that is ultimately going to save the time of, of their team and their staff. I remember I had a conversation once at an industry conference where I was talking about our solution, saving this person's staff time. And he looked at me and goes, well, I mean, what, what, what is, what are my employees supposed to do with that? Just sit around and, and scratch their balls all day. Like that was kind of the answer of like, Oh, you can't think of anything better for your team to do if they're saving 10 minutes of file, 20 minutes of file, whatever it may be? Yeah, no, I mean, so it's interesting, you know, we actually don't see, mm -hmm. I've never really seen innovation mm -hmm. uh, take jobs away. And so if that's no. at the crux of what we're getting at really, right? Mm -hmm. Like right. when you actually historically look back at what innovation has been able to do, and we're not just talking about technological innovation, yeah. but innovation in general, what jobs have really been completely eliminated by tech, by innovation? Well. Uh, for the most part, you know, an elevator operator, that's gone. Yeah. Telephone right? operator. Uh, telephone operator, like a switchboard person, right? But, mm -hmm. um, but the reality is that usually what you start to see is, I mean, and so that's an interesting concept. Like, what, what, yeah. what are my people supposed to do if technology right. replaces this? Well, how about they do things that actually contribute to the bottom line? Because chasing trailing documents and scheduling yeah. something that a computer can do programmatically shouldn't be the time that they should spend. But how about you know enabling them to spend more time interacting with your customer and creating a better experience yeah. or bringing in more business, right? And so it's an interesting concept. We don't see our technology as displacing people. We see mm -hmm. it as empowering people to be able to work faster, work more efficiently, work more securely, and um, and give them back time so that they can do the things that they should be doing. Right. Or it's not like you will necessarily get to a point where you're eliminating people and your staff, but maybe there's less overtime, or maybe your hiring is a little slower than what it was before. You know, those those improvements at the margin, and God forbid you have a happier staff to begin with too, because they're not running down trailing documents to their point all day. Yeah, totally. I mean, so, you know, looking at it from the perspective yeah. of, you know, we're obviously going to have to deal with, the, you know, the CARES Act has is, is created um, a backlog of, of forbearances now that are going to have to mm -hmm. be resolved with modifications. And hopefully mm -hmm. they all get modified. Some will obviously end in foreclosure and some are already coming out of forbearance and moving back into uh, a mm -hmm. normal cadence of payments. But the reality is, why should organizations go out and be hiring hundreds of people to ramp up for this, right. knowing full well that the market has seasonality, the market is impacted by geopolitical events and things happen where yeah. industries have to hire and then they let go of people when things slow down. That makes no sense. Like, Why not mm -hmm. empower your current workforce, as you said, yeah. to create a culture where there's less risk of having to hire and then 
uh, and then have a reduction in workforce because of mm -hmm. the environmental changes mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in the markets. But are companies even willing to put in those type of projects right now? I mean, a lot of what we're seeing and, and hearing from lenders is I'm too busy with Erla. We're too busy with volume. You know, when things slow down, we'll take a look at this. Well, this business I don't know. Is, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we hear a lot of that too. This business mm -hmm. is feast or famine, like, and yeah. so the challenge is when they're really busy, they can afford to be looking at things. They can afford to spend money solving some of these inefficiencies and problems. Mm -hmm. But then they're too busy to do it. And they're like, oh, come mm -hmm. back when it's less busy. When it's less busy, they're terrified that they're not going to be around. They have to fire everybody. Right. And so they don't have money to spend on anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so at some point, you know, I think uh, I've written about this, but lenders need to really open the aperture in terms of partnering with fintechs and mm -hmm. seeing how technology can be implemented to make their lives easier mm -hmm. and to solve for some of these problems. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, nobody understands this probably better than, than you do, right? Like the reality is that it's never been easier to build technology companies. There's so many resources now where you can build with less capital than you ever mm -hmm. had to need and be able to scale. And now with COVID showing that you can hire remote and work remote and scale remote, yeah. it changes the paradigm. And so it, I don't want to say it's, it, it's never been more accessible to mm -hmm. leverage innovation and technology. Well, so we, we spent some time bashing on title agents, bashing on lenders. Let's bash on fintechs right now because not all <laughs> companies are created equal. And I do think that there is a problem. Sure, it's easy to create technology. There's very easy to create something that looks really good. But how do you balance it with a use case that actually works for people in the industry? I always joke, you see all too often in industry conferences, I call it the, the startup uniform. Someone has a t-shirt, their blazer and jeans on, right? And plenty of these solutions work really well and have totally changed the industry. But I think it's someone like you who has that industry background when they're bringing that out. So at what point is innovation helpful versus innovation for innovation sakes or just kind of that next you know, flashy technology? All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, I don't bash anyone. I don't bash lenders, I don't bash title oh, agents. I love them oh, all. Yeah. Spend time we, talking about. Yeah. On, on the loads uh, on the Lodestar Software Solutions podcast, we make observations, okay? So oh, there you go, um, observations. That's a, that's a like safe it. word. So, <laughs> um, so observations. Uh, the, the second thing I get from that is, I gotta make sure that the next time I'm at an Alta event or from a speaking at an event, uh, no t-shirt and blazer. I got to figure out a different uniform now, I guess. I don't know. Is, is that the savvy thing? I don't think you were wearing that the last time I saw you. In no, no. I, I'm, I wear hoodies. And there was no blazers here. Oh, we're fair enough. Yeah, I, I put on a suit for that. That's the only time I ever. There you go. I'm not even going to pretend. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've gone full t-shirt. Uh, I was full hoodie and, uh, and jeans. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's interesting. So I think first and foremost, um, one of the things I'm really passionate about, and I talk about it very often and in some way, shape or form, I find a way to sort of introduce it is the concept of responsible innovation. I think it's really mm -hmm. important. It's a term that I've been using for quite some time. Um, I'm, I hope people steal it and start talking about it because I think it's important. Um, what do they say? Mm -hmm. Imitation, the, the best uh, imitation. Imitation the best is the most sincere form of flattery. Look at look at you ready to go. I know my so, folks, yeah. uh, I really believe that innovation is important. We're creating opportunity for consumers, creating that efficiency but not creating new barriers to entry into financial services and credit right. for underserved communities, underrepresented populations and the like. And mm -hmm. so that's really important. Um, that's priority number one is everything we build, we're always at the forefront of thinking about that. We're also always thinking about security. Like how is everything that we're building, um, you know, create a secure experience. Just because it makes it easier doesn't mean 
um, that you can um, you can compromise on security and and uh, and, and safety uh, associated with handling information uh, consumer information. But finally, you know this uh, this attitude of and perception of really understanding the space is really important. And we're mm -hmm. seeing that becoming more and more prevalent and relevant. It's, you know, building software is one thing, building software that can actually solve particular types of problems is another thing. Mm -hmm. Understanding the problems that you're solving is a different paradigm. And so it's a different level of awareness. And so I think, mm -hmm. you know, given the fact that I've been in this industry for as long as I have and longer than I care to really admit, um, you know, really understanding where we can push and where we can bring change is important. I tell my students often that one of the behaviors that's really charged, you know, we do, we, we spend so much time looking at our competitors and even startups will spend time doing competitive landscape. And there's always mm -hmm. that slide in the pitch deck with competitive landscape. The one thing that is so powerful that nobody, I feel like a lot of people sort of miss is the status quo. Coming mm -hmm. off the status quo is the hardest thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about, you know, competitor one and competitor two. It's mm -hmm. how do I get you off of paper and yeah. the current process that's very, very um, lacking in terms of any, any, uh, any semblance of technology. How do mm -hmm. I get you off of what you're currently doing? Because change just, is scary. Yeah. Or just the manual process for you. What's instead of doing an e-closing, you're not necessarily displacing a digital closing vendor. It's just someone sending someone to go out there. It's just the general human component of, oh, well, you know, Sally's already always done our closing. So we want to stay with that. Yeah. And right? it's just, and it's just that element of it where it's Sally can do a whole lot more closings if you actually implement the software correctly. Yeah. And so, you know, you're hitting on a great point. Our, our hypothesis at Stavi is we want to empower Sally. We yeah. are, you know, we don't have notaries at Stavi, right? So we are a platform. And so we empower yeah. the technology, the, the mm -hmm. title and settlement vendors and the law yeah. firms that, that people have built relationships with that have built their businesses around it, that loan officers rely on for referrals and that have relied on for service to their customers mm -hmm. and the relationship building and their sphere and their network. We leverage that. We give mm -hmm. them the powers to move digital. Mm-hmm. I think it's a part of, so early on when I started, I was doing some some sales calls and I talked to one, I think it was a title agent. I asked them I, about our solution and the response I got was, well, our owner doesn't really like the internet. Yeah, you know, that, that damn was, interweb, you know, that interweb yeah, you know, always. It's just, it's just the fact. And <laughs> I feel like you see, you know, on one end of the spectrum, just kind of the very much no, not innovating. This is how we've done things for 45 years and this is how we do things. And then on the other end, it's you're going to do absolutely everything you can on this and you will never talk to a human ever. We're going to have title robots, mortgage robots, AI, everything. And I don't think either of those are the answer at the end of the day. I think it's, it's finding the kind of complicated combination of the two where you can use that technology um, like what Savvy has to really push the other elements of, of what your team can do. Honestly, I, yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. And I think it's that balance. And so that's what you're, I think you're referring to. And when you look at uh, Redfin, it's an amazing example of a business that at its, at its Genesis, mm -hmm. uh, they were going to revolutionize real estate brokerage, right? They were going to remove the brokers from the equation. Mm -hmm. And here we are now fast forward 20 plus years and Redfin is a brokerage company. Um, they certainly have great technology, um, you know, great user experience and app and a different platform. And obviously, 
you know, the incentive to consumers when they buy through the platform and buy and sell at the same time, they have a different pricing model. But at the end of the day, what did they become? They became a brokerage, you know, platform. And so mm -hmm. I think that is very telling because even though most consumers start online and understand the space, a lot of the stuff that traditionally real estate brokers perhaps would have done is explain the neighborhoods and maybe drive you around. Yeah, that's all changed. Mm -hmm. But at their core, there's still such an important piece of the transaction. They understand the local intricacies. They can yeah. connect you to the players you need to make the deal happen. They know what's coming on when. Um, and a computer can't predict when you're going to sell your property. Well, you know, I bet Facebook and Google thinks that they can. But mm -hmm. uh, the reality is it's still at execution at scale. This is a personal business. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a personal business around the largest transaction of most people's lives. Too. That's right. And I feel like that can often be lost, especially when you're thinking of technology or other ways of streamlining things of actually the importance That's of right. what this means for the consumer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, last question we have here as we're, we're wrapping up here. If you could wave a magic wand to solve one major problem in the real estate industry, what would it be? Wire fraud. Yeah. Quick answer. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wire fraud, especially mm -hmm. considering the impact that it has on consumers that have saved up to, to buy a home, the impact that it has to title and settlement vendors that um, mm -hmm. they're exposed. And uh, it's, it's a big issue. Mm -hmm. and, and it hasn't gotten any better. And I have yet to see a, solu a solution that can solve the problem because it's a systemic problem yeah. that affects behavior. I think the issue is you just have too many people involved in the transaction. So the bank could have a great system, a title agent and attorney could have a great system. What about the realtor that's on Gmail? Or what about the notary that's on Yahoo or something like that? There's just so many people involved in the process that it's a very complicated problem to solve. That fragmentation is at the core of, yeah. of why this is such a mm -hmm. dangerous problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, no easy solve, but I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'll see those stories about someone's down payment going gone or $100,000 that someone saved up just missing in the blink of an eye are just, are just heartbreaking. Nothing yeah. makes your stomach turn faster than to hear about yeah. a wire fraud situation that has gone poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hey, um, thanks so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug, places people could find you, anything you want to kind of end on? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm active on Twitter, Kay Ligris. So feel free to follow me. I rant and rave about stuff I'm passionate about. Um, I don't hold back. Um, and I also tweet a lot about real estate and things, all things local here uh, at home in Boston. So okay. we'll make sure we promote that as well so everyone can find you. Awesome. Jim, thanks, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Costa. This was a good time. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Lodestar's Lending Leaders. Please like and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or would like to be a guest, please reach out to us at lendingleaders at lssoftwaresolutions.com. Hope to hear from you.